Thank you for joining me for this special episode of ESG Matters at Ashurst. I'm Nathan Huynh, an associate based in our New York office, and today, in celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I am thrilled to be joined by Yankee Sharing, executive director of a company capital, a New York-based and award-winning microlender to refugee and immigrant-owned businesses, and a pro bono client of Ashurst. Yankee, thank you for joining me. Before we begin, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about what a company capital does? Of course, Nathan, thank you for inviting me to the special episode of ESG Matters. So a company capital's mission is to support immigrant, refugee and women-owned businesses in New York City with access to capital, with loans ranging from 500 to 250,000, as well as empowering them with financial education and offering training in best business practices and technology. So we were initially founded in 1997 to support resettled refugees who wanted to start a small business or micro enterprise, but quickly realized there was also a need for our services among recent immigrants. Then during 2008 recession, we saw a dramatic increase in the number of women who were attending our workshops as well. So in our first year, we made three loans totaling $25,000. Fast forward to 2020, when we made almost $7 million in loans and helped immigrant and refugee businesses access to over $5 million in COVID relief in the form of grants and long-term loans from private and government resources. So in 2020, we provided services to over 1,000 500 business owners from over 55 countries, 20% of which were from New York's Asian American communities. Queens, as you know, Nathan, is the most ethnically diverse area in the world and one of the most entrepreneurial and a company capital satellite office in Queens is proud to support small and micro business entrepreneurs, many of whom are recent immigrants from Asia. Korea, Nepal, Tibet, Bhutan, Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan, who create the majority of new jobs, as well as critical products and services that allow communities to thrive. That's amazing to hear, Yankee. And, you know, I really do want to focus on your clients a little bit more in this podcast. But before I do that, I do want to share some statistics with our listeners. Um, in the U.S., since the pandemic, the New York Police Department has reported a 1,900% increase in hate crimes driven by anti-Asian sentiment. The advocacy group Stop AAPI Hate said it received more than 2,800 reports of hate incidents directed at Asian Americans last year. And in March of this year alone, incidents surged from 3,795 to 6,603. Similarly, in the UK, according to police data, there was a 300% rise in hate crimes against East and Southeast Asians in the first quarter of 2020 alone. Also in Australia, the Asian Australian Alliance has recorded more than 500 incidents since April 2020. You know, obviously these statistics are troubling and need to be highlighted. And to me, you know, are very, very concerning. However, I feel like the silver lining has been how the AAPI community, you know, not only in America, but worldwide, have become emboldened to band together and become a stronger political and cultural force. And so Yankee, if I could segue a little bit, you know, I think 
this was probably relevant for your clients as well, a form of discrimination that does not get as much attention is economic discrimination. You know, obviously hate crimes and violent attacks are despicable and, you know, must be condemned. But I've also seen many AAPI-run businesses being affected by the combination of this anti-AAPI sentiment combined with this notion of being part of this model minority. I know, you know, you've outlined, Yankee, that, you know, diverse range of countries that your clients have come from. Obviously, they've probably been impacted by this very issue that we're talking about. You know, could you please share with us some of your clients' experiences and what a company capital has done to help with this problem? In early 2020, when New York City was experiencing a dramatic increase in COVID-19 infections, we were seeing the same dramatic increase among our clients, many of whom live in apartment buildings with limited space for social distancing. To make matters worse, we were also barraged by anti-immigrant and in particular anti-Asian hate speech from the former administration in DC. While we're fortunate in New York to have elected officials and community leaders who stood up against this hate speech and discrimination, unfortunately the damage had been done. This was most evident in Chinatown where businesses were deserted. There was also a significant drop in business for our Asian clients in Queens, particularly among the restaurant owners. So at a company capital, we felt the best strategy was to help clients focus on strengthening their online presence, help restaurant clients create a menu more suited for delivery services. And then when outdoor dining was allowed, we were able to get grants to help clients build outdoor dining areas. Our lending team also worked overtime to help clients get emergency loans and other forms of relief to cover reopening expenses. So getting back to your earlier remarks, Nathan, we have obviously been very shocked by the ongoing attacks against Asian Americans and have joined with the Asian American Federation to denounce these attacks. If there is anything positive to come from these horrifying attacks, it's that there is greater awareness in the Asian American community about the need to run for office, to be represented. There is also greater awareness, I think, about the importance of not staying silent and just working hard behind the scenes and of taking more of a leadership role in the many areas we contribute to like business, medicine, and technology. I think it's amazing that you've point that out and I think civil advocacy and civil representation is something that we don't really talk about often. I think we're seeing more and more community and business leaders, you know, not just in the US but around the world, really focus on discrimination. And I guess based on your experiences over the past year, obviously you and a company capital have really been involved in that, partnering with the organizations that you've mentioned. You know, do you have any advice or suggestions for leaders who really want to move their organizations to uh, you know, facilitate change on how they can better address this discrimination, not only to the AAPI community, but also to you know, discrimination in general? You know, I think it's extremely important that leaders everywhere at every level set the tone and be the role model for their communities because it is unacceptable to discriminate and it is in everyone's interest to promote diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, while I'm very aware that we may not be able to influence and even leaders, you know, uh, 
very well-meaning leaders may not be able to influence everyone's behavior. As business leaders, it is their responsibility to promote an inclusive environment and culture which ultimately affects the bottom line in a positive way too. One example I want to share, you know, as you know, Nathan, you've been, um, you've been volunteering your services and your company, law firm, Ashurst, um, is very involved in promoting uh, volunteerism. And in your case, your time was used to help us uh, transition from uh, Business Center for New Americans uh, transition to our new name. So any kind of interaction like this, I think really also is a good way for increasing the diversity and knowledge base of uh, current people who work at different corporations about the needs and a greater awareness of the immigrant and refugee communities in, in their area, whether it's in New York or London or you know, uh, other other areas of the world. I'm very grateful that you mentioned it. Uh, just for our listeners who aren't aware, you know, we are very proud to have you as a client. Personally, for me, what was really refreshing and exciting was helping you with the rebranding, but then also really getting to understand what you and your organization does. When you and I chatted, the, the initial conversations were about legal advice, but then we started going a little bit off track and talking about the clients that you were helping. You know, I know you, we talked about some of your clients in Queens and, you know, certain types of businesses there. And it's really refreshing to see you sort of be able to service these clients and come up with strategies that were probably not you wouldn't think of, for example, online deliveries um, in terms of like readjusting their menu. It seems like a company capital is really going beyond just providing financing, but providing, you know, business strategy advice, which I really enjoyed. Obviously, it's been a tough period for the AAPI community, but I sort of do want to pivot to something a little bit more positive. You and I were discussing offline, have heard some of these stories, but you know, if you could share with some of our listeners, some of the success stories that your clients have had over the past year. You know, while on one hand, you know, as we know, the small business community has been impacted the most due to the pandemic. But talking about our conversations, I remember one conversation I particularly enjoyed with you, Nathan. You know, it wasn't just business. It was we were talking about momos, dumplings, which are, you know, very popular here in New York. And, you know, many of the Himalayan restaurants carry this dumpling and uh, a company capital, you know, uh, as a marketing ploy, we've also uh, funded a app that people can use to find where you can get this Himalayan dumpling. So one business that comes to mind is this business that was started by Mingma Sherpa. She's from Nepal. And, you know, as soon as uh, we were in New York City, we were told about shelter in place and businesses had to close. Uh, one thing we were able to do is, you know, our staff and we actually hired many of our former interns who had been vetted and we knew them to actually reach out and find how the businesses were doing. And we were able to respond with emergency loans. Um, and then for the businesses that really, you know, where the owners were ill and their families were ill, it really didn't make sense to be offering them a loan when they were in such a difficult situation, we actually raised funds on GoFundMe and matched it with fees that we made from processing PPP loans. So that group of clients, we made grants 
uh, and I'm really, we're really fortunate our board members agreed that, you know, we should be allowed to do this. But for businesses like Mingma's, you know, and she's a, uh, it's a woman-owned business. It's a small restaurant with limited seating, but uh, takeout services immediately. We were able to help her, help her develop a delivery menu, strengthen her online presence, give her an emergency loan, and have her get ready so when we were open and you know there was limited um, service through delivery, uh, she could function and she had the capital she needed to you know keep her staff and continue her business. And then now she's you know at a point where she's received uh, some additional loans. We were able to help her through a grant we received from our foundation to build outdoor space. Um, she's already at 70% of her business activity that she was at before the pandemic. So another example that comes to mind, and these are um, stories that you know, our trade association will also be sharing you know, uh, throughout the country, is Andy Huang, whose family came from China, and they started a family business, which started very small, uh, but I think right now they hire over, they have over 20 employees. So they have a retail beauty supply business in Jackson Heights, Queens, which as you know, is, you know, one of the most diverse areas, uh, urban areas in the world. And this in that neighborhood, they speak over 130 languages. So we were delighted to be working with a business like Optimal Beauty Supply. Uh, that Andy's family started many years ago, and we've continued to, you know, support them with emergency loans so they can keep the business open, uh, continue to pay their employees, and it's one of those businesses that anyone who works in the beauty business is familiar with and goes to get their supplies. So those are just two examples. You know, obviously we, you know, we have a current portfolio of over 800 businesses that we are continuing to work with and support. I think it's extremely heartening to hear that. And you know, you sort of briefly mentioned the uh, the Momo business, especially. Really, um, it really does excite me, and I still need to make my way out there to go and visit them. We're seeing a bit of a change here, obviously, with um, the stimulus packages that have happened. You know, here in the U.S. and around the world. Plus, you know, organizations like a company capital really raising capital and helping fund these businesses and also provide business advice. You know, also on, you know, the more high level things, um, we're seeing a lot more focus from politicians, members in the community about, you know, AAPI issues. I guess, you know, I'd be really interested to see what you think the outlook is, um, you know, moving forward. Obviously, it's been a tough year. We're very positive. You know, many, we did have about 30% of our businesses that closed and, you know, we, we were very realistic early on in the pandemic. We were actually surprised that more did not. But in place of the ones that closed, there are many new businesses. And in particular, we're seeing, you know, a high percentage of uh, women-owned businesses that are startups. Uh, so we're looking at ways of supporting these businesses. We're very fortunate. There's quite a bit of uh, federal relief um, and not just debt, but uh, grants to support the businesses. So we, we have a very positive outlook. 
Uh, we are very fortunate. Uh, we also have a quite you know, a number of foundations and corporations that are supporting our work. Uh, so very, very positive. Of course, you know, we, we admire our business owners because it takes a lot of work uh, to keep a business running and it's it's not easy, but um, we think, you know, uh, New York City is on its way to, you know, reopening fully and um, really, you know, supporting small businesses that are vital for the economy and actually create two out of every three jobs. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, just, um, just to finish up, because um, we're sort of about out of time, uh, I know we previously talked about how we can, you know, community and business leaders can get organizations to really volunteer and, you know, help out, you know, whether it's pro bono. Um, just wanted to see whether there was anything else that you would want to recommend to our listeners. And it doesn't have to be for leaders, but just in general, um, how they can sort of help out the cause and help out, you know, businesses like, uh, like your clients at a company capital or, you know, how they can help address the issues of AAPI discrimination? Well, I think one way definitely is, I think volunteerism during the pandemic, you know, people had a lot of time to reflect and think about what was important. Uh, so, you know, similar to Ashurst, I'm thinking there's always such a great need for quality legal services um, among organizations like ours and among the businesses we work with. As an example, if we had had to pay for the legal services we received from your law firm, you know, it would have been very expensive. So we would have had to, you know, maybe go to someone else, maybe who, you know, charged much less. So that quality would have, may have been missing. So I think pro bono services is an excellent way. And not only that, I think if corporations could invite, um, not only provide the, you know, pro bono services, whether it's legal services or any other services, but also invite some of these organizations to come in and maybe during lunch hour, now that, you know, uh, we, we are so accustomed to having Zoom meetings, there are probably going to be fewer of them in the future, but invite these organizations or their clients to talk about who they are and what they do. I think that's, it's always very enlightening and really always makes business uh, leaders and people working at those corp respective corporations appreciate more about what the corporations are doing and also the way they're able to make a difference in their community. Well, I'm really grateful to hear how um, much of a positive impact we were able to have for your organization. And I think that was amazing advice that you gave um, and, you know, something to really keep in mind. But Yankee, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Um, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, to everyone else, thank you for listening. To hear more ESG Matters episodes, including our 30 for Net Zero 30 series, please visit ashes.com slash podcasts. To ensure you don't miss future episodes, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform. While you are there, please feel free to keep the conversation going and leave us a reading or a review. And thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.